Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Willkommen, meine Damen und Herren, to the Bibel Geek. Uh, that's, uh, <laughs> I'm speaking in tongues without even knowing it. It's Bob Price here on the Bible Geek. Um, and uh, I don't know about you, but I think Rush sounds even better with Rich Grease as the producer. Um, this is uh, old news to all of you, I guess, but I feel compelled to just uh, point up uh, one reason we do the old Bible geek, and it is to make at least some kind of gesture, even if it be ultimately no more than spitting into the wind, against the general dumbing down of our culture when it comes to religion. Uh, there's a great book on that, by the way, called The Feminization of American Culture, and I'm not quite sure it's called, why it's called exactly that, but it uh, traces, uh, too bad I can't think of the author because it just popped into my head to mention it, but it traces how uh, from uh, an original, rigid, but logical uh, Calvinism, American theology and pastoral practice devolved through Arminianism into a kind of uh, sentimental, contentless Unitarianism and liberal Protestantism, and how with it went any kind of logical rigor. The book does not try to defend Calvinism, but it just says there was a kind of religion that was once scrupulously logical. Now, it might not have been true, right? I don't think it was. But it took something of a cognitive endeavor to get into it, and that just went by the, the boards as people got into squishy sentimentality. Well, you know, that, that was a long time ago. Where have we gone since? Well, I, uh, as we're taping this, uh, this, um, week on uh, Fox News they're uh, announcing or I should say warning about a uh, upcoming program where the two presidential candidates are going to be uh, interviewed as to their faith and such matters by Rick Warren uh, who who uh, seems to be elevated to the level of a an expert on religion I tell you, I used to cringe on news shows whenever they would bring Jerry Falwell on as some kind of an expert on, uh, on religion and morality, but that man is Paul Tillich compared to Rick Warren. Uh, and it just shows the lamentable plunge into the, the bottomless abyss of religious ignorance that prevails in, in this country. It is so tragic. I mean to stay away from a note of, of contempt, though not of condemnation, but uh, it is just so sad to see people's hunger that uh, is being satisfied, they think, on, uh, on junk food against the, the tide of religious gullibility and stupidity, forgive me, uh, we have to make some sort of effort to promote literacy about religion. I don't say to promote the practice of it or the belief in it, though I'm hostile to neither. Uh, 
but uh, just to have an intelligent approach. I've got friends who, who are conservative theologically. That's okay by me as long as they think it out. Right? I may disagree with their reading of the evidence. I may vociferously dispute with them on many questions. Uh, but as, lo as long as there is an intelligent and honest position, <laughs> I got no problems. Right? But this kind of thing that prevails today, it is just so sad. And with that, let's get on into some Bible Geek questions uh, that where people are eager to stretch the, their cognitive horizons. A listener called Path of Reason, either that's a nickname or they had some kind of free-thinking folks, uh, asks two questions here. Um, it, well, I, I think it's uh, it says three-part question, just like the Nag Hammadi text, the tripartite tractate, but I see two questions on it. Uh, the first, how historically reliable and accurate do scholars consider the accounts of Josephus um, what are some other sources for the Jewish-Roman War and the destruction of the Temple of Jerusalem? Well, maybe that's the two, I don't know. Uh, well, um, most scholars figure we have to settle for Josephus because despite his flaws, he is really the only close blow-by-blow uh, blow, uh, account of, of these events in which he did participate. Uh, there, there is an inevitable slant to his writings to some degree. He is writing as a kind of chastened Jewish zealot. Uh, Jews consider him a traitor, actually. He had been a, a leader of Jewish rebel forces in Galilee and eventually just saw the cause was doomed and decided to just go over to the other side and, and admit the inevitable. And he, uh, I admit this is laying it on a little thick, but he approached the Roman general Vespasian and said, you know, Jews uh, were uh, led, misled into some of these, uh, these uh, ill-advised attempts to buck the Roman yoke by an oracle in the Book of Numbers about the rising of a royal star to signify a king that would rule the world, and they thought it was one of their own. But, uh, of course, it wasn't. They were talking about you. And, uh, and because you're going to become the emperor, which he did shortly thereafter, and he remembered uh, Josephus and said, well, that's the kind of guy I want being a yes man for me. And uh, so uh, he, um, he uh, did, does elevate Vespasian. He gets in good with Vespasian and Titus. And uh, he uh, defended Judaism in the eyes of skeptical Romans and of discouraged Jews by writing these long and enormously informative works, The Antiquities of the Jews, where he uh, retells the Bible story as he remembered and interpreted it, uh, and The uh, the Wars of the Jews. And uh, again, that's the part he was uh, involved in, though he does take even the Antiquities up into his own time. And then he wrote another one, an autobiography, and another polemical tract against Appion. And um, naturally he's going to have a point of view. Naturally on top of that he's going to have an axe to grind because he was a very controversial figure and tried to justify himself. He's naturally going to um, to try to make Judaism look good to the Romans, something you can see in the Gospels as well and in the book of Acts with Christians making their own faith palatable to suspicious outsiders. 
Josephus uh, talks about uh, the revolutionary leaders and prophetic uh, messiahs of his day as charlatans and con men and bandits. Um, well, does he does he not really think any better of them? Well, maybe he didn't. Uh, you know, maybe he meant it. He tends, for instance, also to enhance the, uh, at least most people think, he tends to enhance the look of the Jewish sects by explaining them in terms highly reminiscent of Greek philosophical groups so that the Pharisees come out sounded an awful lot like the Stoics. The, uh, the Essenes sound an awful lot like the Pythagoreans. Uh, the uh, Sadducees sound an awful lot like the Epicureans. But then again, you know, some scholars think the Essenes were a lot like the Pythagoreans. Uh, some scholars, well, even the ancient rabbis said that the Sadducees were Epicureans. So, you know, who knows? I mean, it's a Hellenistic world. Maybe they were rather like these Greek uh, uh philosophical schools, but some think he slanted things just in order to, to make them more understandable, um, to, to make them uh, appear rosy in the eyes of those who might persecute them. Some think he enhances his own role and covers his own butt. Um, th now, that there are other people who and so, like, we're sort of stuck with him and most of the factual seeming information most folks think is probably true. But there is a, uh, one or two at least, I should say, um, groups, uh, positions about Josephus that are very skeptical about him. Uh, Stefan Hermann Huller, a friend of mine who's a very fascinating scholar of these things, he believes that uh, Christians have rewritten Josephus heavily. And... Uh, and therefore, we, we really have to read between the lines and speculatively reconstruct what Josephus re really said. I don't happen to hold to that, but then again, I've never looked at it in such detail as Huller has. Uh, there is Joseph Atwill, who takes a view I have vociferously rejected and still do, but scholarly view, uh, nonetheless, in which he says he thinks that the House of Flavius put Josephus and the four gospel writers up to uh, writing a kind of Pentateuch of uh, allegories and satires about Jesus in which he stands for Titus, uh, the Roman emperor, and that was all a way of drawing out the fangs of Jewish radicalism and creating a domesticated, Romanized form of Judaism, namely Christianity, uh, to get Jews to go along with. I, you know, there's some insight in that, I think, as Eisenman points out in his books, that we are reading a heavily Romanized version of Jesus. Uh, I personally just cannot believe we have a committee of pro-Roman propagandists writing the Gospels, but, but um, the, if Atwell is right, Josephus has a huge amount of outright fiction. Uh, and uh, there, there are probably other views, too, about the uh, radical, suspicious views of Josephus and the like, but a few mainstream scholars, for whatever that's worth, maybe not much, uh, tend to trust him in the main. Of course, he sometimes contradicts himself from one word to another, and then you're left uh, able to do some redaction criticism.
and uh, trying to figure out what really happened. But that brings up immediately your other part of the question. Are there other sources we might compare? Uh, well, nothing much as far as I know. Uh, there, there are references to the Jewish-Roman War in Suetonius and others, but they're not really that interested in it. There are epistles attributed to Apollonius of Tyana where he mentions it and says he thinks Jews got what was coming to him and so on. But I may simply be ignorant, but I cannot think of, of any uh, comparable source. There might have been one, however, that does not survive. Josephus responds to a criticism of him made by a Pharisee historian named Justus of Tiberius uh, in Galilee, Sea of Tiberius. Uh, and uh, he uh, tries to clear up what he says are uh, nasty rumors that, about him that uh, Justin has put about. We don't have that anymore. We do have one interesting note. Origen had read it. It was still extant uh, in the very late second century. And he said, uh, geez, interestingly, Justin of Tiberius, uh, Justice of Tiberius, doesn't mention Jesus. Interesting. Now, what he did mention about uh, Galilee, Judea, and Rome, we don't know. Uh, but, uh, and then there's yet another question related to the ones you, you've asked. Uh, have our copies of Josephus been interpolated? And I think they have. I think the passages about John the Baptist, Jesus, and uh, James the Just are quite likely Christian interpolations. So uh, it's a mighty important source, and you have to be careful about it, but that doesn't mean you can just write it off. It's certainly much closer to a factual basis than something like the Book of Acts, uh, the Acts of the Apostles, which I take to be in the same level as on the same level as Hellenistic religious novels. So Josephus, fascinating, uh, worth a lot of study, and very challenging. Uh, another question, not unrelated to the first, that uh, Path of Reason asks <laughs> asks as if it's the plural. It is as I'm reading it, but the poor guy or gal asked it on April twenty third. It's taken uh, months to get to it. Uh, anyway, the other question is, do you think it's possible that John of Giscala could be the John of Revelation fame? Uh, I uh, guess anything is possible. I've heard this suggested, but I just, it, to me, it seems like a stab in the dark. Uh, John of Giscala was the zealot leader who uh, had occupied the temple and uh, the, the temple priests made a deal with Simon Bargiora, who uh, viewed himself as the king of the Jews, to come in and clean out these, uh, these thieves and robbers, the brigands, as you would have called freedom fighters that you didn't agree with. And um, so he was to come in and cleanse the temple of uh, those who were, were uh, had made it a den of thieves. I think all of those events are reflected in our Gospels. They've been borrowed from Josephus, I believe. Uh, but uh, to me, it's, uh, it's, it's made even more unlikely in that virtually all apocalypses are pseudonymous. Uh, so uh, they all pick the name of some worthy of the past uh, to uh, lend authority, they think, to their uh, prophetic words. And so, uh, as Benjamin W. Bacon pointed out, if, if this is the only one, well, if this is actually by someone named John, it's the only one where somebody did use their real name. Uh, so, um, 
I, I take that seriously. I think it's a pretty good argument. So I doubt seriously that it was written by anybody named John. But again, who the heck knows? It's, it's difficult to say, but you've asked a, a good question. I hope you'll keep them coming as we uh, go on to consider more. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.